Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This podcast is sponsored by Carrie-Anne's Boutique, a wonderful baby business steeped in Spanish and traditional styles. Ages newborn and upwards with lots of knitted outfits, stunning dresses, luxury cosy toes for pram suit push chairs and car seats, bags, shoes and shawls, all personally order picked and packed by Carrie-Anne herself. All parcels are sent via Royal Mail and posted out within two to three working days. Find Carrie-Anne's Boutique on Instagram, Facebook or the website is www.carrieannesboutique.co.uk. I'm Nadia Essex, also known as the Clueless Mum. And darlings, I did it! I gave birth! If you're just joining the Clueless Mum podcast, then buckle up, because I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I survived the pregnancy, and now the real work begins. Join me as I start my journey raising my beautiful son, Ezekiel Michael. And more than ever, I need your help. Welcome to the Clueless Mum Series 2. Hello my darlings, welcome back and oh boy do I have a treat for you this week. I am so excited because I have got an amazing interview about weaning, which is something that is thrown in my face every second of every day. Zeke is about to start weaning, not quite yet but soon and so I'm desperate to find out everything possible to make the right choices so that he has the best start. So here we go. I'm very excited because today I am joined by the amazing Philippa Murphy, who is an author, postnatal practitioner, an educator, a specialist in reflux and colic, and also a mum. Philippa sent me her latest book, which is called Baby Cues Biological Weaning, because Zeke is now about three, just coming up to four months, and I am already feeling some serious pressure about weaning my baby. And Philippa is a believer that follows the NHS website recommendation and the World Health Organization recommendation that you should not wean your baby before six months. And it's quite a controversial subject. Um, It's very refreshing. I I literally read the book in days, literally days, because it just spoke to me. And it was such new, fresh information, but at the same time, um, really relevant and factual. So I found it really interesting to read because he's not even four months and already people are saying oh that's a you know that he's chewing his putting his hand in his mouth and chewing his hand that's a sign that he might be ready to wean soon oh you see him arching his back and being fussy that's a sign that he might be ready to wean soon and I'm like (laughs) Hans like calm down he's literally not even four months there is no way that he's ready to wean Mm. and I actually had a bit of a not an argument because that's too strong a word, but I had a conversation with one of my very good friends and I said, look, I don't even want to hear the weaning word Mm -hmm. until way later. 
way, you know, way, 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 yeah, way. Good on you. And she was very much like, you know, I'm a mother. We've done it. You know, you, you, you can't have this gung ho attitude where you're not willing to even consider weaning. And I was like, I don't, I, first of all, I can, mm. I can have any attitude I want yes. because it's myself. Absolutely. You know, just, just say, yes. <laughs> but most importantly, like, I don't, I don't want to hear it. And I'm not ready. Mm. I need to do more research. I need to understand because childhood obesity, digestive problems, there's so much that comes with, mm. you know, the the process of introducing solid food to your child. Oh, that's and I'm in the sort of research stage. So um, I know I'm waffling on, but basically I just really appreciated reading something that that was the other side of the coin. Nice, nice. So thank you. You're, yeah, you're so welcome. Thank you for that. You're welcome. And I love the raw honesty of it. I mean, in the book, I, I won't give too much away because obviously I want people to to read it. Mm. But in the book, one of the one of the things that I found really interesting is you talk you touch on soy, mm. and you do a really very amazing disclaimer at the beginning, being like, "Look, I know you're not going to want to read. You're not going to want to read this. You're not going to want to hear it." But these are the facts. Mm. Um, mm. And I just love that. So that when I read it, because you get defensive. I actually was reading it and I got a bit defensive because you, I have soya milk sometimes or I eat soya products and you don't want to see that it's bad for you. But so you get all defensive. And then, and then when you kind of ego comes down and the facts are there Mm -hmm. you're like okay yeah well you know knowledge is power at the end of the day and I'm not saying you must do to anybody I'm just saying this is what I know this is what my research has shown this is what you know almost 30 years has shown me and you know it's interesting how you say Nadia that it's the other side of the coin I find that I love that because from my perspective what is now out there is a side of the coin that never used to be out there it never used to exist. And um, from my perspective of, of what I deal with in my clinic, it's just so much, um, so many other problems are being thrown up now because of this belief that we must um, introduce solids early, one, to avoid allergies, two, um, because we want our babies to have a great taste palate. Um, but realistically, and when we look at the research that goes alongside it, um, and how their digestive system develops, they are not ready for it at four months of age, bottom line. You know, they just do not have the enzymes to break this down and it can um, throw the body into that state of um, uncomfortable and into a really bad state of being uncomfortable and then therefore bring so much stress into um, their lives and the environment, the mums and dads, yeah. And what's your, so what's your main philosophy? So I teach something called biological weaning, and the main method of that is um, plain and slow equals gain and grow. Um, And I came from a perspective, and some people will say that this is rather old-fashioned, because it's a combination of, it is a combination of your traditional puree, um, way of introducing solids uh, along with your um, what might be defined more as being um, you know using your chunky foods if introducing foods in this way but at the same time um, it's not old-fashioned it's really just sitting alongside biology so plain and slow is all about a method that says 
let's look at it from the perspective of um, the newborn and the infant and how they develop um, when, when to start solids, you know, how much, what texture, how often, what foods, and what do we know about their digestive system and, um, and their teeth development with that. You know, what do we know about the enzymes that they need and require to break that food down? And when we look at that, we, um, we see that, you know, the pancreas takes time to develop. It takes two years, two years before an infant's body, their digestive system, sorry, just operates like an adult's digestive system. And yet we are offering them adult foods. Um, you know, sometimes some of the things I hear that are being offered to babies and, and to infants, sorry, I'm just like, ah, no. <laughs> I have already had at least one person um, advise me, and I use the quote, air quoting marks, mm. advise me to use baby rice mm-hmm. to help him sleep. Okay. And I don't even know what baby rice is. I, I don't even know if it's like normal rice. I don't. I didn't even look into it because mm. I was like hell's to the no. That just instantly, my gut and every part of my instinct was like, no, this is wrong. Mm. Like he does not need baby rice or any sort. Like no way does he need that to sleep. Surely. Yeah. Well, that's it. There's this philosophy of stuff that. I mean, I had a mum just the other night. Not talking about infants here, but she was literally told um, by a health professional. We'll just feed and feed, stuff them until he goes to sleep, and that were literally her, her words. And and this and that, yeah. And um and that's part of that. But when we look at baby rice on its own, you know, there's five generally about five dis- different di- ingredients in baby cereal. I can't believe. I first of all, I can't believe there are ingredients to baby rice like that in itself. Yes. Like, surely baby rice is just rice, but the fact that there are ingredients tells you yes this is a complicated that it just seems so wrong yes I agree why would you be wanting to feed your child five different ingredients all at once Uh, uh, as the first food to met to help them quote unquote sleep yes yes and baby rice cereal you know it's a massive market um Mm. but really you know reaching for things that are more natural like um so, I, you know, one of the first things that we can start with is um, that I recommend is, is, well, we call it kuma over here, um, but the well-known is uh, sweet potato, orange sweet potato. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. And you just Yay. boil it up. Um, and uh, once you've boiled it and it's nice and soft, put it in your blender, blend it up. You've got um, a little dash of olive oil, so about a tablespoon to say two kind of good-sized kuma if you're going to actually put some in the freezer. Um, And the olive oil just helps the child um, to ease through the stools because often when we introduce each new food, you have a – your child will have a slowing down of digestive system and so they just need a little bit of help. You might find they're a little more unsettled riding through that new food and then they'll come right again so by putting olive oil in yeah you just help yeah. them with that uh, just raw olive like so you cook the sweet potato mm-hmm. mash it up or blend it up mm-hmm. and then you just put a, t- a teaspoon is it a teaspoon of raw olive oil i mean not raw but i mean like not cooked yes olive oil into it but you also pour so a tablespoon in. of olive oil into the 
sweet potato and, and just stir it up and then feed that. But also put in um, some of the water from your cooking of the kumara. And How much roughly? Well, you want to make it for the very first food, it's just above sloppy. So you're just starting to right. go above the milk kind of consistency okay. for your child. So yeah. it should run off the spoon, um, okay. but a little sloppy. Not quite soupy, but almost. Yes, yeah, not sloppy. thin soup, but certainly got a bit of something to it. And that way they don't have to, they're not adjusting to something that's all of a sudden quite thick and stodgy and you're not yes. going to cause constipation quite. in that way. Mm. And also with sweet potato, you're looking at something that's nutritional for them yeah. and very easy on the digestive tract. So, And why is there a, why sweet potato over normal potato? Is it purely nutrition based or is it is there a different Yes, it is purely nutrition based. More more nutrition okay. is sweet potato and um, orange are better than you can get white potatoes, but what some countries yeah. don't have, so white potatoes and then uh, sorry, white kumara. And then if um, you don't have that, then the next food would either be squash or pumpkin. And that so that that comes at six months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So first question, sloppy sweet potato. What portion size should he be having? Mm-hmm. So his very first sloppy sweet potato mm-hmm. should be one teaspoon. Meal. One teaspoon. One teaspoon. One teaspoon. A teaspoon. A teaspoon. Yes. Really? Yes. Crazy. Hard to think about it. Oh my gosh. I know. So his very first day, his very first time, mm-hmm. just one teaspoon of sloppy sweet potato. Yes, and in the morning, because we want to make sure that you've got the whole day of being awake or sleeping for you to nurse him and nurture him through that new f- new food and that new pr- process. Because biology tells us it takes about eight hours, around eight hours transit time from mouth to bowel for our babies. Depending on okay. what you're eating, if you're a breastfed mum, breastfeeding mum, then and you go out and have a curry, that'll be a lot quicker. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, in general terms, <laughs> yeah. yes. <laughs> okay, so what teaspoon, and then do you slowly up the amounts? over the space of like a week or is it a month or how? Mm. So by the time you're getting to um, seven months, the baby would be having, so gradually you put the breakfast in, you might wait, wait five to seven days, see how the bowel motions are going. Then you pop in some lunch, which would also be one teaspoon of sweet potato. So we're not giving, it's not about variety mm. here. It's about teaching yeah. the digest. One, we want the pancreas to start um, making more enzymes to break this carbohydrate down and um, and the nutrients down. So to do that in a slow way, we are nurturing alongside the way it naturally works. And so at seven days, you put in another, as long as bowels were going okay, another teaspoon. And then another seven days, as long as bowels are going well, then another teaspoon at that. So by the time you get to seven months, you're doing um, one teaspoon at all three meals for your baby. And then when does that go up to like more than one teaspoon? Yeah, so you start at seven months. We look at introducing three other new foods, okay? And you're introducing your foods and groups and food groups. So the first, um, those three foods are uh, pear, avocado, and spinach. Okay. Okay. And so we do the pear as the first introduction of sugar, direct sugar. Um, Your avocado is the... Raw pear or cooked cooked pear? Cooked. 
yes. cooked pear. It's the same same idea, sloppy cooked Sloppy pear. cooked pear, yes. Um, okay. Very sloppy, no olive oil in your pear. So you okay. are moving to two teaspoons and you would introduce um, one teaspoon of kumara with one teaspoon of pear. And they right. go together. So you've still got the olive oil. Oh, it's like olive oil. main course and dessert. Oh, it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, it actually tastes really nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yum. Yeah. So, um, but you, you can either start with the pear. Some, some of my infants, when I do clinics, I sometimes start with um, perhaps they've already had colic and reflux. And so their digestive tract is quite sensitive um, and so I might start more with the spinach rather than the sweet or, right. yeah, okay. just to give them a bit more of a gradual introduction. And just a quick question. It's a, probably a bit, I know some people, but it's a bit too much info and probably shouldn't talk about it, but just quickly about baby's poo. Mm. So right now his poo is liquid mm-hmm. and brown, mm-hmm. like mustardy. Mm-hmm. So what should I look out for that it's not... It's not right, you know. Like, mm-hmm. what will it turn like a different color, or what, what's the warning red flags that actually maybe this might be something like wrong? Or something. Yeah. yeah. So you can often see um, the food that's going in <laughs> in the actual stool. So you might okay. see it change color. That's okay. Uh, it might get a little pasty. Um, yeah. You need to be aware that your baby might. Their, their bowels might slow down. You know, their st- rate of stills that they're having may slow down. And in that case, it's more about finding ways to um, help them release, which um, on my Facebook page I teach a, a method of how to stimulate a bowel motion for a baby. Um, if you go into my videos, that's there. Um, it can work for infants as well. And if you're having problems with that, then it's about looking and adjusting those olive oil kind of levels. That's what will okay. help that but it's natural and normal for them to have a little bit of that as they move into the next stage yeah you also mentioned the book which i find fascinating is that you shouldn't be giving water to your baby until is it a year did you say yeah well i kind of go before a year i think nutrition is more important um and so whether you're breastfeeding or formula feeding I see that as a better option than water. Um, However, there are situations where, say, for example, a baby won't, um, mum can't breastfeed any longer, baby just will not take the bottle, Um, they might be eight, nine months old, then, of course, we're going to introduce some fluids in there. Um, You know, so it depends what the situation is, uh, and we're going to try and do that either, you know, through a sippy cup or something that's a bit different. So certainly it's not a categorical don't, but it is a, yes. I'd rather put nutrients in than, than water. I just find that, again, I find that fascinating because certainly um, here in England, I don't know if I mentioned that you're in New Zealand, so <laughs> that's why I keep saying here in England, but having a sippy cup and having water is is something that is thrust into babies' hands mm. from like four or five months. But you're going to fill your baby up with water. You're going to fill your infant up with water. And so, I mean, if you sit, if us as adults, I mean, it's quite logical in regards to logic. If we sit and drink a glass of water or two glasses of water before we eat, we actually don't want to eat as much. 
Um, and, yep. and it's a great dieting tip. <laughs> you know, and we don't want our babies, our infants to, to diet. We want them to be able to absorb all those nutrients that they need. So, yeah. um, and also too, uh, research shows that water slows down digestive processes. Um, you know, they do say that you shouldn't have water before a meal or during a meal, uh, apparently. So, mm. um, I more, yeah, I lean towards the side of always thinking about, what is best nutrients wise, digestive system wise, and um, there's enough fluid. Our babies are getting enough fluid during the day with their milk and whether breast or bottle. As long as you're following, you know, their stomach capacities and at each age and stage, then they should be getting what they require. And it's just great. Again, this is why I love the book because it's it's almost common sense. Yes. A lot of it's such common sense, yes. but to see it to see it in print yes. helps certainly me process it and and understand it better yes because the the one thing I always talk about is that pregnancy motherhood birthing the the amount of opinions contrasting opinions Mm. that you get in in every way everybody's got an opinion on something it's really difficult to navigate it was really difficult to navigate in my pregnancy because everyone had an opinion about um you know what you should be eating what you should be doing should you exercise should you not exercise should you should you walk should you not walk everyone was like oh you're gonna miss your bump so much you're gonna miss your bump and I'm like I won't miss my bump I had a really stressful pregnancy I found pregnancy very difficult Um, and I didn't enjoy it for the most part and lots of mums don't but nobody talks about that and goes you know no one comes up to you and goes how's it really going and you do you feel people go how is it and you go fine Mm. But really, you're like, you know, you've got chronic indigestion, terrible back pain, swollen ankles, you know, you can't, you feel sick, you can't eat because you feel sick and you can't, you you feel sick because you can't eat. And it's, it was, for me, it was tough. Mm. It was a really tough process. Mm. Um, And, and yeah, everyone had an opinion like on everything and the same with motherhood. Yes. And so it is about finding things that I like to read. Mm. And so when I read something and it speaks to me, it it sort of, I find that really powerful. Um, and with your book, that's what I found very much. It just, that, my instinct goes towards the things that you're saying because it seems like it's common sense. But as we know, common sense isn't that common. Yes. Oh, I love that line. <laughs> that is so, so true. Yeah. And that's what lots of my family say to me. It's just, it's logical. It makes sense. It makes sense. The yeah. amount of times I hear it and it does, it just makes sense. We are coming back to the basics. Uh, it isn't yeah. about, you know, um, marketing anything for the sake of selling something. It's not about um, pumping our babies or infants full of uh, things that they don't actually necessarily require because they're in pain. We're not putting Band-Aid approaches on um, or Band-Aid, you know, um, not solutions because they're, sometimes they're not. They bring more havoc, things like like yeah. in the UK, you guys use lots of thickeners in your formula and um, mm-hmm. which we don't over here. And, and the like, carrot. I had to change his formula, in fact, because he was on one formula mm-hmm. and he was really mucousy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was just so much like mucus, mm-hmm. so. and he, he seemed to be fine, but there was just a lot of like a lot of mucus, mm-hmm. and so we moved formula, and now he's much better. Mm-hmm. But but it was a different consistency altogether to the formula that we're using now, right? And you mm-hmm. just think like 
Wow. Mm, mm. I think um, a lot of things, uh, you know, we have to be aware with our formulas at the moment that there are a lot of ingredients being pumped into our formulas that aren't necessarily healthy for our young. Um, Ultradextrin mm. is one of the biggest ones of the concerns and soy, of course. Um, so maltodextrin is a, it's not classed as a sugar, but it certainly um, brings a high glycemic um, spike into the body and Wow. And it causes atrocious amounts of gas for our young. Oh, he has so much gas. I'm going to have to check my formula bottle because he has so much wind. Right. The burps are fine. Like he's nearly four months and now kind of you, you feed a couple of pats and the burps are, you know, the, that sort of wind comes. But the bottom burps are, I mean, he cries. He, he, it causes him a lot of pain and discomfort. Yes. And I do, I mean, I spend my life doing bicycle legs mm. because, mm. oh gosh, it's just literally like, my, yeah. I, I don't know how I haven't got guns of steel because I <laughs> literally am just like, bicycle legs, bicycle legs, bicycle legs, can't like yes. a crazed woman yes. just to try and get the, yeah, get the down. bottom burping out. Mm. Can I, and it does kind of work, but a couple of things with that. So um, if your baby has a lot of gas coming out the bottom end, then, you know, I would be looking at how much burps we're actually getting out the top. So for a four-month-old, you would be looking at getting around um, 15 to 20 burps after every feed um, in order. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? What? I know, this is where I start to sound 15, a bit crazy, like. <laughs> yeah. 15 to 20 burps? Yes. And I learned that from working 24 hours a day, six days a week with newborn twins. And I just had, you know, some of them were crying and unsettled. And I realized the more air I released from out the mouth, the more settled oh they were, gosh. the less peddling legs they do, arching backwards, that all starts to reduce um, the farting, the explosive bowel motions, yeah. um, frothy boop, frothy poo, all of that starts to reduce. So, um, and also with oh the goodness. bicycle legs, we need to be careful because every time you're doing that, you're sloshing everything around in the in the digestive <laughs> tract. Um, yeah. So that can also cause its own issues. So I actually teach more that we teach the baby to learn how to bear down and release it themselves and feel okay about releasing it themselves. Um, wow. and rather than having all the stimulation of a bicycle movement um, to, to get yeah. it out. And, yeah, so it's just a little bit more calmer, I think, in a way to approach it for them. Yeah, and I'm going to have a look. I'm going to talk to you more about that and, and look on your Facebook more because that's definitely something that I need to um, improve on, I think, mm -hmm. just because the bicycle legs is great. But like you say, it, I, I would like to to find a more calmer, way to sort of get that happening mm. um the fit at the moment I probably he probably does about two burps and then I'm like he's done yes so the fact that I have to get him to 15 to 20 I'm literally my mouth is wide open <laughs> so I I, 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 know. I most do so I teach a method called um nature's wind sequence and it's in basic form it's a 10-step method but once you understand it it's a combination of um, positions, uh, reading your child's six wind cues. So I've discovered these cues that the, our babies have, um, and one of them, um, or a few of them, are actually counted as hunger cues currently when they're actually I, I need to burp um, cues. And so once we marry these six wind cues together, calming techniques and positions at the right timing, 
then we can actually release that amount of air out of the out of the stomach before it gets to travel through the intestines where there's no coming back. It's got to go through. Yeah. So. You've just said something really important that I know that other people find really interesting and I do. There are six wind cues that are often mistaken for hunger cues. That's I think that's what you just said. So there are some of the cues that are mistaken for hunger cues. For example, um, chewing and poking out the tongue from newborn to maybe even nine-month-olds show up, but certainly up until six months of age, whereby they look like they're chewing gum, but the tongue is coming out. And so that shows you that the wind is sitting high in the um, regions of either stomach or the esophagus, and they're ready to actually burp. Yeah, So, and the other wow. wind cues are um, from newborn windy stare, so big, wide, open eyes that won't shut. Or you can wave your hand in front and they're just big and staring and they look happy and calm. Um, so wind is sitting high. And I learned this because um, everyone knows about the windy smile. Most people know about the windy smile, you know. So I thought, well, if it's that one, why not others? Um, yeah. And I realized that I'd have these babies that just wouldn't sleep. They'd have these big eyes, but they'd been up for hours. I'm like, why will you not go to sleep? And I soon realized that actually when they released a burp, they then closed their eyes. And then I'd feel wow. this wind come back up again and they'd open their eyes. And that's really apparent from newborn to two weeks. You can really see that happening um, with our babies. And so I was like, when I found this out, I was just, I was 24 and I was, um, had been educated pretty much what most mums are and, and parents are and um, I, I had a background in child development and psychology, but I um, I was astounded at what I was seeing, you know. And then I spent about a year going from family to family, working with twins. I had, you know, well, you do this. So right there and then a fantastic way of researching it with two babies all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And then you family, okay, we'll see if you can do that too. Um, and so for the first two years, that's what I did. And then I became confident enough to teach it one-on-one with my families and I found that I could heal well I could reduce the crying I could help babies sleep longer they become calmer but I still couldn't heal colic and reflux which had become one of my babies and yes it had Mm -hmm. and um do a bit more burping on that (laughs) (laughs) nice and we rub we rub Nadia we don't pat yeah Yeah. What? Yes, I know. What? <laughs> Rubbing, not patting. <laughs> what do you like? You've just smashed what? like rubbed. every single person that I've ever. What do you mean you don't pat? You rub. Yeah, well, rubbing up the side with a cupped hand coming up the sides allows the body to go slightly up and down, which then allows the diaphragm to release your, the burp that he'll be having there. And also, I mean, really, realistically, would you like to be patted on the back all day? It would drive you up the wall, wouldn't it? So, it, yeah, and there goes a burp, I think. I, yeah, I think, but yes, you're right. I'm completely and utterly flabbergasted. Well, I was brought up petting. Yeah, I, I too was taught to pat years ago. I'm sorry to flabbergast you, my dear. <laughs> I mean, no, it's just like mind blown. Mm. Again, like this is, I don't know why we just don't get taught. Ah, taught the proper stuff. I think it's great what our professionals do, but the insight that I had was really hands-on and I had to find a way to help them, help them not feel so much pain. And from that, you know, I was just gifted all these little techniques that, that 
work and um, so I had to share them. Well, I really appreciate it. Honestly, you have just... I feel like I've learned so much, but also completely and utterly, like, stunned. Confused. Because everything... <laughs> well, no, no, but everything you think you know and then you, mm. you hear other things and you're like... Like you said, like, it makes sense, but I don't know, you're just so conditioned to be a certain way, mm. I suppose. Mm. Um, and so I'm really, really grateful there's people out like you in the world that are sort of almost brave enough to go against the norm and say on a public forum what it what it's all about Mm. because a lot of people aren't brave enough to do that they they, this it's so easy to sort of stick to the status quo and stick to the norm and and not not be controversial even though you're just telling the truth yes um so so yeah I really I thank you so much because it it for people like me you know who who are interested in in wanting the best Mm. genuinely mm. rather than just sort of sh- blindly following yeah the curve it's 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 wonderful thank you you're welcome and i it was it's, i've been a, it's been a massive you know um journey in regards to getting getting it out there you know i've had a lot of slammed slammed doors in the face and that's why i wrote baby cues prevent and remedy colic and reflux you know because that was my first book because mm. i just had to go okay i know this works I'm not being listened to um, by people I'd love to, so I'm going to put it in the hands of the parents and we'll let the proof speak for itself. And so it is, you know. Um, So I'm pretty lucky in that regard to be gifted because it's just things that the babies have shown me. So, yeah, it's nice to be their voice. Yeah, well, thank you. Honestly, it's brilliant. And just remind people where they can find all of your information, please. Uh, BabyQs.info. And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook as well at uh, BabyQs underscore Nurture with Nature. Uh, And for my Facebook, it's BabyQs.info again. Oh, lovely. Well, thank you. Honestly, it's been enlightening to say the least. I mean, I really... My podcast name is The Clueless Mum. I genuinely feel that way. But speaking to people like you honestly gives me just confidence to keep moving forward with a bit more knowledge than I had before. So genuinely thank you because I've learned so much. You are most... And now I'm going to go and apply it all. (laughs) Good. (laughs) I love to hear it. And remember to pat yourself on the back, Mrs. Clueless Mum, because you're not. You're doing an amazing job. Thank you. Thank you so much. And yeah, let's catch up again soon because I'm going to pick your brain when I actually do have to start weaning. I'd love that. That sounds good. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Philippa. Take care, Nadia. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Wow. Well, I don't know about you, darlings, but I... Honestly, I could have spoken to her all day long. I have so many questions. It was so informative. I learned so much. I hope you did too. And as always, follow, subscribe, tell all of your friends and come over to my social media, on my Instagram. Let me know your thoughts. It's an interesting one, this one. It's different to a lot of other mums and dads that will wean in a different way but I find Philippa's method fascinating and with it's got proven results so we will see thank you for listening I will see you next week keep safe and well